Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast, where I get a chance to talk to people about their thoughts, their journeys, and have a little fun and hopefully learn something about ourselves along the way. So please click like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, and thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot to me. Have a great day, and remember, every thought does matter. Today's episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features my friend Lena. Lena has been around the world photographing humanity in their element, including New York City and Thailand. But that's not what makes her special. In this podcast, we have a conversation about her multiple sclerosis diagnosis, her mother's cancer, and a lot more. She's a beautiful human that uplifts others and shares her story with you. Tune into a wonderful episode that has laughs and tears and everything in between. Okay. All right. We're on the Every Thought Matters podcast with my friend, Lena. Lena, welcome to my podcast. I really appreciate this. Hi, Kelly. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so um, we're recording this on a, a Sunday. It's cold here in Texas. It's probably even colder up in the state that's, wait, you got a friend in Pennsylvania. That's the freaking slogan on their license plate. Or is it still <laughs> that way? I have no idea. And Western PA, nonetheless, so we get the really bad snow here. Yeah, you get the Lake Erie effect, basically. Yes, yes. Ugh. I, I, my heart bleeds for you, literally. I don't miss that. I was grew up in the Midwest, so grew up in a little small town in Iowa, and there was no shelter from bad weather. Good yeah, I'd love thunderstorms, to tornadoes, right now, everything. Sorry. <laughs> I said, I'd love to pl trade places with you right now, Kelly, especially when I'm wiping the snow off my car with the ice. <laughs> oh, yeah. No kidding. I don't uh, I don't mind snow, but I hate ice. Ice is yeah, the worst. It is. It absolutely is. I totally agree. Now that we got weather talk, let's talk about traffic. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so um, I got to know you through TikTok and I like a lot of things, you know, I saw a pretty face, but then I'm like, whoa, what is her story about? And you've got some literally as I don't know what I consider a viral video because if mine gets over 300 likes, it's viral. <laughs> you have some that are almost a half a million views. So what was that like? What was that thing like we wake up and all of a sudden all your notice, you know, a half a million people noticed your video. Um, I didn't expect it because it was like one video, but I, I didn't expect it because literally was I was just talking about my MS story and I've talked about it before. I think it's the luck of the draw with TikTok sometimes. I really do. I, I don't e I'll never understand the algorithm. Sorry. Um, it just, it was like, every time I'd look at it, it'd be like 99 plus notifications, like every like two seconds. It was like the weirdest thing. Uh, and I still get notifications and, and, uh, messages from that video saying, thank you so much for posting that. That really helped me with my, my, uh, my experience with uh, getting diagnosed because for me, the reason why I made this page is because, and you'll notice my page is Lena NYC photo. And I initially started this for my photography and then it just blew up with the, uh, with the MS thing, because I was very much alone at my diagnosis and I would have loved to be able to find TikTok and watch somebody and not be scared out of my mind. It's comforting. So. Yeah. Um, 
We'll get into that, but you were a photographer for a long time, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I started my interest with photography in high school, which was a long time ago, 20 years ago. But I started taking it seriously in 2017 when I bought my Sony A7R III, which was a hefty price for a camera, but it's worth it when you love what you do. And now okay. I've laid back on it a little bit more with the immunocompromise. I don't put myself out there as much. And now I'm in a smaller town. So, you know, right. you think there'd be more opportunities since, you know, I, I am pretty, pretty talented with my craft and, you know, it's like coming into a smaller town from New York, but I don't put myself out there so much with the, the COVID, which is unfortunate, but hopefully eventually this slows down a little bit so I can get back to my photography thing too. Yeah, that and was that always something you had a, a you said you started like in high school, but it was like what was your first experience you thought, wow, this is really cool, you know, making um, pictures? Well, definitely when I took it in high school, I was taking a lot more seriously than everybody else. And then I it really took off with my passion was when I went to uh Thailand with my mother in two thousand uh four, I think. And uh that's where I really fell in love with street photography. Um, taking pictures of people, my, my pictures always have people in them, even if they're, um, even if they're landscape photos, there's always a person in it. I find people fascinating. So. And that's I what you, I love, but that's why I have a podcast. Cause I just, honest to goodness, like, what is your brand? What are you doing? Like, I just love to talk to people. I love connecting to people. So that's kind of your way of connecting to humanity is pictures of people. Yes, in in it's various the, landscapes, and and your New York, you know, your Instagram is littered with such wonderful New York City photography. Oh, oh thank you. I, I just find, thank you so much, and you're really great at taking talking to people. I can see your passion in helping others. Um, my photography, I love street photography because of the rawness of it. Like you never know what you're gonna get, and you see people in their raw form with emotions and just. Even when you're catching somebody on the street, taking a photo of them and just seeing them deep in thought, what is going behind that person's head, you know? And then I've just learned to find like shadows and silhouettes. Um, and, and a lot of them were like steam and steam in, uh, in New York. And I don't know, uh, you create a story. The good thing about street photography is you look at a photo and you can create your st own story in your head about that person because you know nothing about them. <laughs> Even the photographer knows nothing about them. So that's what drew me into that. That's neat because everybody does have a story, which is, you know, my, the, like the podcast is my way of trying to understand people's story. Because in learning about other people's story, you learn about yourself. Or yes. And in learning about that, I didn't know... I have a friend in LA that has MS and I did not know even with being around her that it was an autoimmune disease. Can you kind of explain that in layman's terms? Sure. I'll try my best. I appreciate um, multiple it. sclerosis is an autoimmune disease for the nerve uh, that attacks the nervous system. Um, and it is your B and T cells uh, attack your I always say it wrong. The myelin, myelin sleeve, sleeve. <laughs> sorry. That's the protective we'll coating afterwards. to the nerve. Yeah, that's a protective mm -hmm. coating to your nerve. So just think of, I okay. always explain it as like when you have a phone charger and it starts breaking apart and you see the insides of it. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, it's like that. That's the protecting coating oh. in those are your nerves. 
And so the B and T cells get very confused and start attacking that on your, uh, it's your attacks uh, the, in the, the spinal co uh, cord, re I speak the spinal cord. Um, it goes into, you know, you have lesions in your brain and your spine. And uh, that's what initiates the whole response of having like neuropathy in your extremities. And my, but my first um, symptom, well, the one that really stood out was my neuropathy uh, and also the optic neuritis. I couldn't see. I always said it was my left eye until I looked at old records because I'm looking for a do new doctor. And it was my right eye, actually, uh, where I'd close my eye and I look at you, for instance, and I would see a black smudge on your on your nose. It no was kidding. like the weirdest thing. Yeah. And um, and uh, where I lived at the time, the television was really close to the couch and I could not see anything. It was pretty scary. Um, I definitely knew there was something wrong and it just got worse and worse and worse. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It attacks your nervous system. It's very, I, I always call it uh, um, fibromyalgia's cousin because their symptoms are very sim similar. Oh, really? System, yeah. I did not know that either. Wow, <laughs> I'm learning something new today. That I, Because, and they're, both of them attack the nervous system in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. But the symptoms wow. are very similar, just like, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, with the tick. I was just talking about this. Is it, no, yes. not lupus. Lime lupus. disease. Lime disease is very, is Lyme disease? symptoms are extremely similar to the really? MS. Yeah, that's right. With that. Yeah, all the time. It's a very, it's a tough one to diagnose because there's so many conditions that mock MS, so... I mean, when I was, before I was diagnosed, I thought I had diabetes because the, the numbness and the buzzing in my legs, you know? Yeah, because that could be, yeah, that's a very diabetic symptom. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, fortunately for you, you did get diagnosed and now you're on regular treatments of something called Ocrevus. And I looked yeah. that up. I'm like, wow, that's pretty intense stuff. Every six months and it helps you but again, kind of a talk a little bit about that, the, the treatment, but I kind of, I'm not fascinated because that would be kind of morbid, but I I've tried to understand, like I take a hot shower now and I'm going, she can't do that. You have to take like a lukewarm shower, right? No, actually not. Oh. Uh, for me personally, like I said uh, like before, MS is a snowflake disease. It affects everybody differently. The medication okay. affects everybody about the same, but I think it, for me personally, like in my head, I'm thinking it's because um, maybe I caught it so soon. I mean, I have nine lesions on my spine and three in my brain that doesn't co come overnight, but eight months into my symptoms, I was diagnosed and got onto my treatment. Well, I got into my treatment like, I don't know, 10 months after my first symptom, because I, they, they it took a few months to get on my, uh, to get approved for it. Uh, but for me, I, I love hot showers, Kelly. I know it, it's oh, just, so I. I can't, I have to, it's like almost burning. I think that's with a lot of women too. It's like, <laughs> it has to be burning my skin. I don't know. <laughs> it, it doesn't affect me as much as before. I probably shouldn't do it, but it doesn't affect me like how it was before my medication. And for me, a lot of people get the buzzing and numbness 
uh, I still get the fatigue during the summer, but I get it more in the winter for some reason. And when I go to the grocery store, I get the buzzing and, and tingling in my legs and I feel weak more in the cold for some reason. But I've, I've, I've come across others with MS. It's, it's less common, but I don't know why with me, it's more the cold. Well, you know how some people get knee surgery and then when the barometric pressure changes, mm -hmm. they know that a storm's coming before the, it comes. Yeah. Is it I've like that before. a little bit with the cold? I don't know. No, I don't know. If I go for a run or I'm in the snow or I come from the grocery store, I think it's the lights in the grocery store I heard. I don't know. I get like the Could tingling be. and the buzzing. Yeah. It's not to the point where it like frightens me. I'm so used to it now. It just... It's just like part of life. Sometimes it's more intense than others. Well, you know, as somebody who's like, I was born partially deaf, so I'm used to it. I'm used, yeah. but it, for me, it's a blessing because I don't hear 90% of what you guys hear. You know? And you would and never know. And, that, I, and I'm not trying to <clears throat> undermine that, but you hide it very well. What? Because you don't really speak on it. You don't speak on it so much. So sometimes you I know, forget. Because I, I, okay. <clears throat> you know, I worked in the film industry for like 10 years. And, right. And if I had a, do a dollar for every time somebody said, I'm making a film to raise awareness, I, I would just throw up because that's like, I'd probably have a hundred bucks. So <laughs> I believe in raising awareness just by being yourself and then right. dropping that thing like, oh, wow. I didn't know that you had glaucoma. I didn't know you had whatever. Right. I mean, I even had, I've even had what varicose vein surgery. So whatever. I don't run around like holding up a sign saying this. Right. I do. I do it in a way like I did with you. Like you're like, really? I did not know that, you know? And then that for me, you connect to me and then you can hear my story. And then you can hear, feel that empathy for, you know, where I've come from. I like that method better as opposed to, you know, walking around with a placard sign on myself. Yeah. That's and just and my I own way of doing like, it. Because I hate those comments. You saw it the other night. I was on a lie. Yeah. Ableism comments. And I don't mean to be like dramatic, but when they say, you look great and you look young for having MS, it's like so insulting because internally you want to scream. But I didn't mean that like that towards you. I meant like, because you have such a great attitude. I would never expect it. Like you don't feel sorry for yourself or anything like that. That's what I meant by that. I really don't. I personally <laughs> think it's a blessing. And I appreciate you taking the time to explain how you felt because yeah, good humans, if communication isn't right, they'll fix it in that moment as opposed to waiting. And that's oh, I love to did. clarify things because I don't want anybody to feel hurt or take anything I say the wrong way because right. I know I say things you're, the wrong way sometimes. You're very empathetic, which is why I was drawn to you because it's like, wow. And you do that even with what you do on TikTok. It comes from a very empathetic place because there's nothing worse than feeling alone. In you get mm -hmm. diagnosed with whatever, whatever that is, you immediately feel alone and you got diagnosed during a very dark period of your life too, uh -huh. which is, yeah. I can't, I, and for you to have this great of an attitude today is mind blowing to me because I couldn't, wow. What you well, want. Well, I feel like that? you would be 
probably the same reaction because you say that now, but if you go through it, I feel like with the way you are, I feel like you would probably react the same way if, it, if not better. Um, I went through a very dark period in my life with that, but I, in the end, I was like, I can't live like this. I can't live like this. Oh, sorry. That was <laughs> credit card. That's okay. <laughs> that was great. And I had a friend teach me that you've got two choices. You'd be happy or you'd be sad. You know, well, and you I don't mean to, to... Like, say anything, but I've met no. people with MS. Mm -hmm. Like a person on my live the other night that was like literally trying to scare people about it. Um, I get it. Don't sugarcoat anything. But also that's the last thing I want to hear is, you know, it's a death sentence. Like, oh, like that person started talking about all the yeah. negativities of it and everybody's different. I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything, but literally everybody is different. And that's my problem is when I was first diagnosed, I was comparing myself to everybody. I'm like, great, this is going to happen to me. This is my life. You can't do that. That's one of the things I learned when I was going through that dark period <laughs> of acceptance of my illness. Well, it's the seven stages of grief. And that's, you know, acceptance, denial, all these other things, right? And you found a way to get to acceptance, in my opinion, pretty quick. And pretty quick is a year or two to me for something that dramatic because that does impact your nervous system. And when they told me I had glaucoma, I'm like, oh, because for those who don't know, and let me educate my podcast listeners, is that glaucoma is basically high pressure on the optical nerve that sends the images to the brain. So when you had that optical neuritis, basically those images in one eye were not even getting sent to the brain. So that's why you had that little dark spot. Yeah. Oh, the brain that couldn't interpret it. And that high pressure inside there just basically severs the nerve. And there's the optical nerve is one of the few nerves in the human body, I'm told, that doesn't regenerate. Allegedly. I personally don't agree with that. But anyway, but the result of it is going blind. And I kind of freaked out. Now I'm like, okay, whatever. If that's what I'm, that's what's my plan. That's what my plan is. I'll deal with it. I mean, I've done dealt with everything else. I've done, dealt with the loss of a parent. I've dealt with the loss of three uh, beautiful four-legged kids. I've dealt with far worse things and having to bump around them in broad daylight. So, well, thank you so much for teaching me about that. I didn't know anything about that um, with glaucoma and how it's caused and the reasoning behind it. You know that little poopy thing they do? It's the work. I get drops in my eyes that literally they can get a very, very perfect reading of how much pressure's in the eye. So, and it's just that. It's just they're measuring that pressure inside the eye around that optical nerve. And that optical nerve sends those images in the brain from the brain to interpret, which is really wickedly cool. So then today, I just, any day I've got good vision because I don't have really bad vision days. But when it's good and things look like I'm in, watching the world in high definition, I just, you know, in my own way, thank God that I have vision today. Makes you appreciate it. Oh, goodness, yes. The good days, for yeah. sure. And like you, I, I told you before we came on, you have this beautiful voice. Uh, literally, you could do voiceover work 
if you really wanted to, because you have that good voice. No, you could. I appreciate that, Kelly. Thank you. There's no accent there to me, and you enunciate really well. And it's soft and it's light, but it's easily understandable. And I say that because I'm partially deaf. So. Oh, that, I mean, I'm a, I'm a loud talker, so. <laughs> right, not the so close talker like we talk about on Seinfeld. The loud talker. I don't know yeah, if you ever did. The close talker. Did you do too. a loud talker episode? I have no idea. <laughs> they did a close talker. If you talker did, episode. you should have been the guest star. <laughs> She's yeah, a I've loud always talker. Loud. But. I just, I, I think both of us have got, are in this wonderful place of where we're really filled with gratitude of where we are. Yeah. And, and blessed, hey, blessed, I'm blessed that I've been diagnosed with all of this, you know, the glaucoma and what the, I wear a hearing aid, so what, you know, and I'm blessed that I know what's in front of me. Well, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I am human. I do have my bad days where it's like, I get frustrated with myself where I don't remember, you know, cause MS affects for me. Okay. Before I was on my medication, it definitely affected the physical there. I, I got to the point where I couldn't feel my feet. And I had to hold onto the walls to walk. It was very frightening. And thank God for Ocrevus. For me personally, it was a lifesaver uh, to my walking, my ability to walk because uh, I went to the Cleveland Clinic is where I get my treatments or where I initially did. Now I go to a cancer center, but I remember my saying to my dad, I'm crying. I'm like, I can't feel my legs. You got to get a wheelchair to get me to the um, doctor's visit because it was that bad. And on the way there, my legs would get numb even worse if I sat too long and it's an hour and a half to get there. And I'm like, how am I ever going to travel again or get on an airplane? And here I am, I'm doing fine. But there are days where uh, now post-magnification, it's the cognitive that affects me more than anything it's memory issues and brain fog and trying to come up with the word a lot of times we're all spaced out and I get frustrated with myself or not realizing I'm doing you know like that day I told you the laundry mat how I put my clothes in and I press the start button on one and the up button the other and I thought I pressed start and it came up my clothes weren't fit done and it I feel like sometimes I put it towards just not paying attention but it can't be that often can't be, every time it can't be MS, but it can't be, you know, I just have to remember what's going on in my body and, you know, just try and be patient with myself. So and forgiveness of self is one of the best things you can do in life in, in any situation. And you're like, oh, cause I don't have MS and I've done those, those things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Oh crap. There's, I forgot to put the clothes in the dryer. I'm, I'm blessed. I did a TikTok today showing my home. So I've got a washer dryer in this little redneck trailer, literally. Seriously, oh, and so I love lucky. it. I, I, <laughs> I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot to put the stuff in the dryer. You know, and, and I, I don't have the cognitive dissonance. And kind of talk a little bit about that and the lesions and kind of your you just kind of turned a corner a little bit on that the other day, in my opinion, about how you're handling the self-talk with that. The self what? I'm sorry. Your self-talk in terms of. Oh, how I talk how to myself. You guys, you like in some of your lives, these people are talking about 10 or 12 lesions on their brain. You've got three and, and how amazing you are because for you to go say, and wash the clothes or whatever, but 
the brain fog that comes in, your brain is so powerful that it's going around those lesions to give you. And talk about, that just makes me happy that I know you because that makes me feel good too about myself. But where did you, I mean, how have you come up with that idea that your brain is working really hard? Um, you know, with that idea just popped in my head, but I, I have to give credit to my friends with MS too, because they've talked about it to me. Like we got to think of the positive because look how incredible our bodies are and that our infusions work or our, our bodies are still trying to work around those lesions. Um, but yeah, yeah, we got to give credit to just talking, making discussions with my MS friends that we all realize how incredible our bodies are, that it heals itself, or you go through an illness and you heal, it heals itself, even though it may have some type of scarring on eternally that your body, your body still deals with. Your body is working on overdrive because it doesn't understand what's going on in your body. It's very confused as, you know, for example, attacking itself, like, come on now, <laughs> stop attacking me. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it somehow, somehow, works its way around that and we can still think we forget things but we're still functioning we're still breathing we're still we're still trying to walk it's still trying to heal itself uh, me i have relapsing remitting ms there's different stages of ms there's relapse and remitting where uh if i have a relapse which i haven't experienced relapses i had a flare-up which was my initial symptoms but right away i'm grateful that i got on such a great medication which is ocrevus which um, has, uh, what it does is it slows the progression and it gives you less relapses. And when you get those relapses, they're less intense and I haven't experienced any. And I just have something to say. I finally got my results back from my latest MRI and everything's the same, no new lesions and no active lesions. So I'm very excited to say that. So Ocrevus is working. Um, and my Ocrevus, the Ocrevus, uh, the whole point of the ocrevus is it slows a progression, but its method is to deplete the B cell. So it kills those B cells that attack me. So uh, that's the most wild thing is getting uh, the first time getting my uh, blood results from my, um, my, my first infusion and seeing zero B cells. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? This is kind of scary, but my body's, that's another thing. My body's still functioning. Even if it has low B cells, it's still working. It's incredible. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It's a miracle. Yeah, yeah it, it is a miracle. Mm -hmm. And, and for you to like take, and I, I think that's wonderful that you go back and you talk to your MS community on, on TikTok and y'all, most of y'all keep uplifting each other, but yeah, you do have some of those kinds that try to drag you down but that's just mm -hmm. they're angry about something in their life and whether it's ms or something or a loss of a, a friend or parent or whatever you know i've said this many times that 80 percent of the people's reaction to you is about themselves and mm -hmm. yeah to this too is and you're like this as well as i am i learned this lesson a long time ago i was taking my lead actor to a reveal party for a short film that I did mm -hmm. and we said Kelly you're now a filmmaker and I told this story to my life coach and she's like Kelly people don't don't like you people like you 
because of how they feel about themselves when they're around you. Mm-hmm. Think about it's true. That. That's why people like you, especially on TikTok. They like you because of how I'm, I'm, I'll raise my hand. I'm the same way. I feel good about myself when I'm around you. Same here, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, but you have that too. You and I both have that. I have that. And you're like, boy, you're so positive. Like, I just, ref- I just would rather shine the light on the people's goodness than, the, you know, what, you know, bad stuff. So, but that's just me. Shine a light on that because everybody, in my personal opinion, everybody is a mirror to each other. You're, you're, you're a good Catholic. And like I've told you before, I gave up Catholicism for Lent many years ago. Mm-hmm. But I still think we all have divine energy in us. I think Absolutely. all of us collectively are God. And there's a higher being beyond that. But I do think, so I try to just shine the light on people's inner divine energy. That's all. And I think that's beautiful. We all have, we all need that because like I said, I don't want to sugarcoat about MS. MS is a debilitating disease. Thank God for my medication. I, I, I would probably be needing a, I'm not trying to be negative, but I probably would be the route that I was going. I probably would be with a walking aid if I didn't have, if I didn't catch it soon enough, I would probably need a cane or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. There was a point where I'd cry myself to sleep because I couldn't feel my feet. You know how scary that is <laughs> to not be able to feel your feet. Like it's like the most frightening thing I was on. It was, it was like, oh my God, am I ever going to be normal? This is really scary. Am I ever going to be able to walk or dance again? Or, and, um, you know, and it's not saying I'm lucky. I mean, I was 30, 36 when I was diagnosed going on 36 and some people get it when they're like 20, 21 years old. And it's like, oh my God, how shocking. Um, I was making a point here. Oh, but I was on a Facebook group and there was some girl just telling newly diagnosed people listen, I have MS. And just so you know, the medication, it's a waste. Don't even try it because it doesn't work for you. I'm like, don't, I said to her, I said, how could you say that to people that are newly diagnosed? I'm sorry for your situation, but you can't talk to people like that. She said, don't expect anything. And I was like, I'm living proof right here. <laughs> it's like, I don't know yeah, how long this, this positive, this um, symptoms, whether I'm not having many symptoms are going to last. And I get a relapse, but I pray I don't ever get a relapse again because it's very scary to have those symptoms. I promise myself in my head, I'm never going to get another relapse, but I can't promise myself. But I, I just put that in my head. But saying people that to people that are especially newly diagnosed, it's so scary. I just don't, I try and like, I try and give a positive light, but be real also because you don't want to sugarcoat it. Yeah, but you don't, you don't, you take off the sugar coating literally to, but you do it in such a positive way. That's what I love. Cause that's why, again, that's why people are drawn to you because you do just, it's like, whatever. Yeah. This is not easy, but if you keep to and I have a book somewhere here about basically how your emotions can trigger health symptoms. Like, so, if, no, literally. And it, it talks about anything and everything. It's a great book, but so you take a positive attitude, which basically, if you take a positive attitude, not saying you're, you're 24-7 positive because you have difficulty sleeping and your cognitive dissonance sometimes and 
a little ADHD because all of this. So I'm not saying you're all wandering around, you know, with unicorns and tulips. Because you're not, <laughs> right? No. But yeah, you, but when you take a positive outlook to it, you're telling yourself, I believe in you. You're going to be okay. And I, I talk to my body all the time. I talk to myself all the time, whatever, whatever it is, whatever. And I you got to watch what you say. Cause your body listens. I totally believe your body listens to you when you're putting it down. Every thought matters. Yeah. You manifest things. You want to sit I here do. and, 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 and uh, smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol all day and eat like crap and tell your body, you know what? I'm going to end up like this anyway. I might as well just eat like this and treat my body like crap. That's what's going to happen. And that's, I'm sorry, like it, your, your body also, your body is like a, like a, my mom used to say, your body's like a car. If you don't work on it, you don't ma- maintain it, it's going to shut down. It's not, not like you're going to pass away, but like shut down. It's not going to work properly. You're right. Gonna it's going to give body. you symptoms that you didn't want. Absolutely. Yeah. And, your and mom you have to right. maintain those positive thoughts. You, you tell your body you're horrible. Oh my God, I'm sick of myself. What's wrong with me? It's going to listen. It's going to listen. And I feel like that. And then I have those days where I'm like, I, I was saying this the other day, you were there where I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I'm so stupid. And it's like, why am I talking to myself like that? I wouldn't tell my, I wouldn't tell you that. Why are you so stupid? I would never talk to a friend like that. And it, it gives me emotion. Like, why am I, why am I talking to myself like this? Be patient with yourself. Like I said, I have these lesions in my brain and my spine where my body's working on overdrive. And and it's, it's tough when you have people also saying to you, not you, you're so very supportive and understanding, but you have people like, oh, I have memory issues too. It's called getting old. Like, you know, I'm like this too. I have brain fog too. I have kids. And it's like, it's not the same thing. We all have issues, but it's not the same. Like you can't, it, you know, it's not oh, an easy thing to deal with. But the flip side to that is, is you could go and just close your eyes and look at those and whatever it is and say, thank you, body, for working around all these lesions mm-hmm. that we have on my body. Yeah. And thank you for helping me get through this, you know, and that's what you can do. Yeah. And you just talk and they want, it's just like, to me, your cells are like dogs. They want you to be happy. And they'll do anything for you to be happy. Yeah. Period. Story. And if you talk to them, every thought does matter because even the bad ones matter. That's what people think. You've got to think all these, you know, unicorns and rainbows thoughts. You don't. You have to just, oh, that thought. Okay. That thought doesn't serve my greater good. Okay. Bye. That thought serves my greater good. Okay. Great. And so on. And just like I had the thought this morning literally right before taping this podcast, I'm like, I want people to know where I live because I live in a very, a very humble abode. Very. And they think, so to basically, I had that thought, so I acted on it. It was a good thought because it made me feel good. But there's all, we also have the bad thoughts too. And, you know. Kelly, if it's making you feel good, can you imagine how your body feels good hearing that? Your right. soul feels good? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, going back to your point, that's how we sh- also, sh- 
you're really good about that with me and I'm really good about that with you. And I'm getting better at talking to myself the same way too, though. Yeah, that's I, the I always hardest. lift my friends up and people up. But then when it comes to me, I'm like, I put myself down and I'm like, what am I doing? Why? I want to talk to my friends like this for my family like this. Well, Sometimes you don't they, even realize you're doing it. it. You don't. And you're, but one of the blessed things that you have with this MS is you understand how your nervous system works mm -hmm. and your nerves send messages to your brain, right? Whether it's pain, yep. whether it's whatever, you're teaching your brain to reroute those thoughts into, you know, endorphin thoughts as opposed to the kind that you don't want. Because mm -hmm. you're saying, why am I talking to, I'm telling Kelly he's amazing and he's a great at the podcast. Why am I not telling myself that I'm great and I'm amazing because I'm getting overcoming something that's attacking my nervous system? You know, that's a difficult task for all of us. But that's why I like the thought that every thought matters because you get to play around with those and reprogram your brain. Just like your brain right now is reprogramming itself to get around those lesions for every mm -hmm. MS person that has them on their brain. That's a and that we don't, as you know, we don't use what 25% of our brain, give or take. Is that what it is? That's the number. Oh, I have it's, no idea. <laughs> there's studies that show that how much how much we utilize our brain. And I don't remember how much it's not we don't use hundred percent of our brain. I know no. that. I know it's no, low. I knew that too. I just didn't know the percentage. Like less than fifty percent or something. And yet your brain's smart enough to work around all of that. How cool yeah. is that? Yeah, our bodies are incredible, whether you have MS or not, whatever you're dealing with, it's incredible the way it keeps on mm -hmm. working. And it works a way around, even if it has to find a different route, it, it works its way around it. And back to what you were saying about stress. And I know this is something we were talking about, what makes my story, diff not different, but special was yes. the stress that yes. uh, not only was I diagnosed with MS, but I lost my mom to cancer. I was, my first symptom was a month after my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And it's crazy that I had those three lesions in my brain and nine on my spine. And it didn't, the symptoms didn't come out until the stress of my mom's cancer, which shows, yeah, I didn't have one symptom <laughs> other than fatigue. And I lived in New York. So that was, that could be anything. Wow. Yeah. So my mom was diagnosed October 27, 2018. My sim first symptom was in November. So your body listens when you're stressed out. Your body out. does listen. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I had a long conversation on Friday with my, we have porch time at her place and she's a, a holistic life coach like myself. And we talk about like a couple things that went on, like last week, you know, a project I was working on got shut down, which kind of made, I've right. been sad all week. On, to be honest with you, it's been not been easy because that was, but and she had a, a dramatic thing happen to her in January and it was just like, you know, she had a car accident and it basically, we both realized that that was the universe's way to tell us, stop, slow down. And mm -hmm. that was my art. It's like, everybody's like, I need to slow down. And then I'm like, all right, all of a sudden, I got all these podcast guests I'm like that came out of nowhere, which yeah. is my drug. This is the 
Sorry, you, you couldn't get any doctor to prescribe me anything better than this. Oh, Nothing. it's your therapy. It makes you feel good. Well, I love it. I love connecting to people. It's I, I could walk into a room and talk to anybody, but the universe basically told me last week, stop, relax. Yeah. Stop pushing yourself. You know, I just lost my dog four weeks ago. And then that, it's like, oh, wasn't easy, but that I'm just trying to spin that like, okay, I got a podcast that I'm going to tape tomorrow with another TikToker. And I have another TikToker who wants to be on my podcast. And then another one's like, can I check out your podcast? I'm like, sure. It's just, you know, it's been snowballing. Sometimes you just have to take a step away and be like, wait a minute, things happen for a reason, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't say the whole thing with my mom passing away, but the whole, like, like we were talking about recently, recently, my views on TikTok have gone down significantly and I didn't know what was going on with that, but maybe that's my sign of taking a step back and just focusing on myself. It's hard to though. It's hard to focus on yourself. It really mm-hmm. is. I don't you do know, enough to see. <laughs> yeah, you've got, but that's why your story is amazing. And that's, and for you to get, were you diagnosed that November during your mom's cancer treatment? No, I wasn't diagnosed till May. Um, so my first symptom in November, and I'm going to, my first significant symptom where I'm like, wait a minute, was the shower thing. And I'll get into that in a second. But my first one was, um, I think it was like, it was so minimal because I was laying next to my mom for two weeks straight in the recliners next to and holding her hand throughout the night. Those recliners are not comfortable in the hospital. They look like they are, but they are not. And my stomach felt a little numb. And I don't know if that was MS, but my one friend with MS was talking about his numb stomach. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think that was MS, but it was lightly where you scratch it, where you feel it, but it still kind of feels like numb. And that was so small that I like brushed it off. And I'm like, it's just my imagination. But then my mom, um, more bad news came that it spread to her back and she had to have bad, you know, surgery and it was to stage four. And I went to go sit down and had my arm on the windowsill and I fell and my arm went up like this because I missed the chair and my arm at night would go itchy and numb. And a lot of people with MS talk about the itchy and numb feeling itch itchiness is an MS symptom too with some people. So it would go itchy and numb. And I take pictures of it and send it to my best friend. Do you see anything? Well, you can't see anything when it's MS. It's in the nerves. And I'm like, is there something there? I'm like, I feel like I'm going crazy. And the doctor just told me to take a leave. And it kind of went away. And it went away eventually. But then it went to that, to my feet buzzing. And then the optic neuritis. And they thought it was from my mom, the stress of my mom having cancer. There is such thing called... um, I'm going to tell you right now, central serious renopathy. Have you ever heard of that before? No, that stands for social security number, but yes, I haven't heard it. <laughs> it's That's where the fluid in your eye builds up from stress. And I still no have kidding. to see specialists every six months, a retinal specialist because of that. And I'm thinking the optic neuritis too, but I don't know. But yeah, I have to see a retinal specialist every, every six months because I have swelling in my eye and they say, eventually if it gets worse, when I get older, they might have to put a needle in my eye. I'm, I hope that's not the case, but yeah, it got that bad. And then the wow. optic neuritis and then, yeah. And then the buzzing in my legs went from that to my knees 
that it felt like there was a knee pad on my knee. You know, when you have like knee pads, when you're roller skating or rollerblading. Yes, and yes, uh-huh. your knee. Yeah, that weird feeling that was like that. I would take pictures. I thought it was cancer. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And then it got so bad. You know, I'd be at work. I thought there was like my cell phone was my pocket and it wasn't my feet. I'm like, what is wrong with my, why is it doing? It's like a feeling. It was like the craziest feeling. And then I had Tribeca Film Festival, which is a film festival in New York. I got chosen for that when my mom had cancer. And she's like, just do it, Lena. This is a one in once in a lifetime um, opportunity. So I went to New York for like a week and that was very stressful. The turnover rate for the, I had like several events I was photographing and the turnover rate was like three hours of sending the photos edited. So I was extremely stressed out and the buzzing went from my feet all the way up to my pelvis. When I was running around New York, it was scary. It was very scary. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. The sensation just went all the way up to my pelvis. This is scary. This is like, it's like traumatic, like talking about it again. It's like really crazy when I, when I talk mm-hmm. my TikToks, I don't really talk about it in depth. And I just, it's very traumatic thinking back on those old memories because I was so confused. Um, and I remember looking back at those photos and I'm smiling with my Tribeca ID tag, but deep down inside, I was screaming. I was skinny. I lost so much weight and I just was just so confused on what was going on with my body. It was frightening. And it got to the point where I went back to Florida. Uh, I think Tribeca Film Festival ended like April 30th. And then I ended up in the hospital May 22nd in the emergency room because they saw on the MRIs that I had all these uh, uh, lesions on my spine. And uh, it was just, I thought that I had uh, ovarian cancer because I had numbness in my pelvis and then tugging in my pelvis, like someone was pulling my pelvis down. And I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm going to try and figure this out. I went outside. I wasn't telling my mom everything because I didn't want to scare her. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the grocery store. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and run. And I remember trying to, I ran, ran, um, not too far. I don't know how far I ran, but, uh, it felt like I was running in quicksand. That was pretty frightening. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is not normal. <laughs> there is something really disturbing going on in my body. Um, so yeah, that's when, and then I finally got the, um, I, I went to the emergency room several times, uh, because of my knee, because I couldn't feel my knees and they were doing x-rays because I'm like, this is the only way I'm going to get seen. So they did x-rays and CT scans on my knees. They're like, we don't see anything. I'm like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> like, this is insane. So finally I saw another doctor and they did an MRI and they saw the spine, the spots on the spine. And he said, either you can go for another MRI because it came on blurry because I kept on moving because my neuropathy had gotten so bad. I couldn't sit still. Um, and the only way to sleep was to take Ativan because the, the numbing was just and the buzzing was so disturbing um, uh, that he said, either you can go for another MRI or go to the emergency room. I said, what would you do? He goes, I would go to the emergency room immediately. And that's when I ended up in the hospital, May 22nd. And I stayed there for four days. And they gave me 12 rounds of steroids in four days, which was unheard of when my doctor in Cleveland heard that. It was too much. I had extreme panic attacks because of that. 
because it was just too much for too much for my body to handle. Sorry to go off on a tangent. It was a long story. No, no, I wanted. That's why I, cause that's what makes you real and human, and that allows us on the outside to connect to you. And I've had steroids too, because I've had herniated discs in my back, mm-hmm. and I know, like, you do, like twelve rounds of those in four, four days. days. Good God, yeah. no, that's just unheard that was, of. Um, yeah, a doctor. And- Cleveland Clinic, when I went up there, his mouth dropped. My dad couldn't even drive over 20 miles per hour without me saying, please slow down. I'm going to have a panic attack. It was, it lasted in my system at least a month. That wow. was just too much. That was, I, I still think about like what kind of repercussions that was after that. Cause that was just ridiculous. That was a neurologist that was giving me that. But then I found out later he didn't specialize in MS. Well, I mean, how would I know to look for a, a, a guy that specialized in MS? Cause I didn't know I had MS. I just looked for a neurologist you know uh-huh. but yeah 12 rounds of steroids was crazy and they had a heart monitor on me and with and mo- your mom was still in the hospital dealing with what she was dealing with no she was out. out of the hospital she had gotten she was in the hospital for three months from october till three january she was released because they couldn't keep her in there anymore she didn't have insurance they literally that's another story. Yeah. They kicked her out. It was oh, good Lord. That's a whole other story. Get me started on that then. And uh, she was out. She was doing pretty good. We were in Orlando for a while, and then we came back to Fort Lauderdale, and we were staying in hotels because she lost her home. We we literally went from hotel to hotel, living out of her car, pretty much. Um, it was pretty intense. So my mom was staying in the hotel when that happened. She was doing okay. So. And that's part of the story I never heard. And I, you were basically nomads. What's a nomad? Right? Sorry. <laughs> like a, like living from place you know, to place. Like going, moving from place to place, mm-hmm. you know, like in the desert, you know, how they, they pick up and then they move and then they pick up and then yeah. they move. And yeah. they just pick up. And oh, you have no idea. I have a Fiat, which was my mom's car. You know how many times I had to pack and unpack that car? Like I was playing Tetris. It was insane. We had her whole life in there. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with her her health and your health and your this is why I'm telling you, this is why your story is so amazing because look where you are now. And I know you lost her what what was it two thousand nineteen? So I was diagnosed May in May two thousand nineteen. I lost my mom September two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Look at you now. I was freshly diagnosed. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. You didn't want to see what I looked like at that funeral. I was so skinny. I went down to 110 pounds. I was so stressed out and people were like, what's wrong? I'm like, people literally have no filter. They would say to me, you're so skinny. What's wrong with you? I said, okay, you do realize I just got diagnosed with MS and my mom just died. Right. And not only did she just die, but she had been suffering with cancer and I was her sole caretaker. Do you not understand that? Yeah, but I'm just saying you're really thin. I'm like, can you hear yourself right now? <sighs> yeah, I dealt with a lot around that time. Well, and then also, you know, I don't really talk about this very often, but no, and that's okay. I also had a partner that we, you know, I'm not going to go into detail, but 
broke it off after five years when I was getting diagnosed. So that was another thing too, when I could have used a friend, but things happen for a reason, but that was another added stress. It was just, everything happened all at once. It was pretty, wow. it was just a lot. <laughs> but now two years, what, three years later, you have this community that uplifts you almost daily mm -hmm. on TikTok and people yeah. message you and thank you and to turn such and that for me God, i've lived through some dark times and nothing like that i mean losing my father was the worst thing i've ever losing my father and losing jenny were two of the worst things i've ever gone through but and my father's been gone for 22 years it'll be 22 in june wow on one of my best friend's birthdays so but doesn't matter how long ago that was still your dad and he still dealt with it. yep yeah. he was my rock Aww. but uh to this day what it, like people call me kel and i just hate that because it's like that's your dad that's what my dad always you. called me oh kelly yeah it's like because that and just been 22 it you know june 9th will be 22 years oh that's my birthday how crazy yes that? i know i'm we had that's that right. conversation Sorry. yeah I said, I forgot about that. That's so. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, but uh, those were my darkest times and that's nothing. And I don't, I think comparison is a thief of joy. I've always said that and that's not my own quote, but I've just, I've learned to adapt to that because I don't, like, I don't compare myself to somebody who's really rich and I don't compare myself to somebody who's really poor. I just think that's, that's taking you outside yourself. But I also look at other people's journey and I, and I try to appreciate the gratitude of where you are today in this moment, right here mm -hmm. today, listening and talking to me. I'm grateful you're telling that because it's not a comparison that is a lot of gratitude for you because you're teaching me so much, A, about your disease, but B, how you cope with it, but C, your strength. You have an incredible amount of strength to be where you are with a, a good community of people that you're helping. And I'm glad that you're doing that. That's why I just show up, even though nine times out of 10, I don't know half of what y'all are talking about, but I'm just there to support because if I can help you guys just feel safer and happier, then I will. Yeah. And I, we, I can speak for the MS community. We appreciate you and those that do not have MS, but take out, take the time to learn about it because a lot of people just want to learn about it because they're suffering with it, but for you not to suffer with it or not really, well, you know, you're one friend, but from a lot of people not to know anybody and they just want to learn about it. I think that's a beautiful trait. I really do because not everybody cares to listen. I had a friend of mine that did, she was a, an award-winning filmmaker and went to one of the best schools in LA for that. And she was diagnosed and she decided she wanted to try stand-up comedy. And this was when she was going through a mess and she had this, the fanciest cane I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she had to use a wheelchair. So we, they had, and we, they carted that bad boy in there and we got her on the stage and she was funny. 
and she did it and I still, you know, I'm amazed that she's like, all right, whatever. This is this is where I'm at. I'm still gonna go up and make you laugh. And she did. Yeah. And she That's made, great. you know, used MS as a little bit of a an idea and a way to do it. And she, she was great. That's beautiful. I love that when people still they don't give up on their passion or what they do in life just because to sit there and feel sorry for themselves, you know, because it's easier to feel sorry for yourself and do nothing than to continue to do what you love. And I, I can't speak for everybody because I don't know how it would be if I wasn't as well as I was right now. Um, it's easy for me, easier for me to say because I'm doing so, so good. A lot harder when my feet were numb and I couldn't feel my feet and I couldn't see out of my eyes. Like, you know, so I can't give myself too much credit because I'm doing okay right now, other than the brain fog and the cognitive portion, but something I can't live with, with, you know, functioning. Yeah. And, and, but see, that's why I think you're so uplifting is you didn't sugarcoat it right there and explaining where you're at. You also said, yeah, I, I, everybody has different symptoms because everybody does have different types of symptoms with MS. And I liken that to the fact that there's 7 billion people in this world and each of one of them, they're double helix. Their DNA is different. Mm-hmm. So that's why MS affects everybody a little bit different because that double helix is different. And you went that route and go, I can't speak for them because that's not my place. But I can speak for me and where I'm at. Yeah. If that helps you, I will help you. Yeah, I don't want to sit there and like try and exaggerate symptoms to get more views on TikTok or like be like, me too. Like, no, that's not me. I have my issues and I'm not going to sugarcoat them, but I'm not going to exaggerate it for for people to feel sorry for me either. This is me. Like I made that TikTok where I was just like, you know, I think one person had said something like, you look like you're fine and you're running. That's great. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. But I came a long way. I wasn't like this originally. I'm doing great now, but let's not forget where we came from and how far we've come and what we went through. And, you know, I'm doing great, but I still live with those fears of it all of a sudden waking up and not feeling my feet. I've had, you know, and it's probably a normal bodily function that we all have, you know, when you wake up and your foot's asleep. Or you start in a certain position and your foot's asleep. Well, when that happens to me, I freak out because I'm like, oh my God, is this a relapse? Like, I know it's stupid, but for me, I feel like I have that trauma. I have that trauma because that's how it started with that flare up. I agree too. And kudos to you for telling me to bring the bottle of water. You know me too well. Oh, I know. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking out for you, but, but, and, Part of my coaching is actually trying not to fear is something we all experience, but it's also something you you don't want to sit in that emotion for very long. Right. But, and I've woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't feel my arm. That's the scariest thing. The first time it happened, Oh, there's, uh, and I can't imagine, you know, because that's part of, you know, what you have to possibly face. And so now I know that that happened so I can deal with it. And that's kind of, but still I tried, I don't, 
think about it. I don't fear it because I don't know. Like I tell people, I don't fear death. I fear dying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You Especially after watching, I, not... I watched my mom slowly, you know, mm. deteriorate in that way. So, yeah, I, I have that fear too. I never had such a fear before my mom because I saw her suffer. Right. And, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I live with that fear, not where it's constant, but like one little thing. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I used to message my nurse for everything in the beginning. Cause I was so oh, sure. fearful. Oh. I'm like, is this MS? Is this MS? Like it was like constantly writing to my nurse to make sure that wasn't coming back. I mean, even when I first got my medication, my legs were pretty numb. Like I'd shave and I wouldn't feel my legs or I'd scratch my leg and I couldn't feel it. And that's just that's the, freaky. Yeah, it really was. It was like, oh my god, and you know, where my feet felt like they were on fire. I felt like I was walking on coal all the time. That's another symptom, it's the burning cold feeling in your feet, too. And it felt like there was balls. <clears throat> it was numb, but it felt like there was balls on the bottom of my feet when I walked. It was really weird. But I just have to, you know, I appreciate it. I just have to give a big shout out to you, you know, friends that lift me up and, 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 and give me positive affirmations every day without, um, sometimes I don't even think you realize what an, an impact, um, your positivity and your left uplifting attitude. And just, we've never even met in person. You're just so supportive. And then there's also the friends that were there and, and that's not your fault. We didn't meet yet. <laughs> and I'm sure you would have been there. I would have. We knew each other. I absolutely knew I, be able to talk to you anytime and you'd be there for me but like mm -hmm. my best friend Bridget you know Bridget and then she was there when my mom was sick and coming to the hospital and being there with me and then there was my friend Alex he's another one like how you are we knew each other um eight months before my mom was diagnosed so we knew each other a little bit when I was in the hospital a little bit over a year yeah a little bit over a year and he was the one when my dad got me out of the hospital and we were staying in a hotel and my dad would be sleeping, of course, because he was dealing with me. I didn't expect him to stay up with me, but it would be like four o'clock in the morning. I was in the bathroom and Alex would be on virtual chat with me because he was in New Jersey and I would be like crying in the bathroom. Like, I'm never going to feel normal again. This is it. This is my life. And he would talk me through it. And I barely knew him. Like. We met each other in March 2018. My mom got diagnosed in November, uh, October 2018. And he was there through it all. And Bridget too. But it's just crazy for someone I barely know to be there, you know. The interesting thing about, okay, humanity, and I'll give you a, it's not the same story, but it was 2018. Sorry, I dropped my <laughs> That's fine. As long as I got audio, I'm good. But in 2018, I was flat broke. I wasn't making enough money in LA and I used up all my savings and I was literally on the floor counting pennies. My roommate gave me a jar of coins. So I was counting that to see how much money I had to start oh to figure God. out how uh, I was going to pay some bills. Honest to goodness. And that was the first time I reached out to anybody to ask for help. Like, and I put my, and it's such a hard thing to do to ask for help 
in that particular situation when they the people that actually came through and helped me were I don't know the people who did who didn't call me their friends that they would just help me I got messages and whatever and it was so brilliant because in general speaking about your friend that you'd known barely six or eight months we as humans love to help because it gives service to others is probably the greatest thing you can do in your life and you're doing that now for your ms community you're serving them you are being of service to them and when i asked for help all of a sudden these people came out of nowhere and that's when i really learned and it's a hard lesson for me because i i like doing everything myself i just do you know but I learned how people love to help other people. It's one of those traits that we love to pick people up off the ground and help them out. And, and I think that's where you see God in others, God in your in humans. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have, I, everybody has got God in them. Everybody. I just, and there's some people that that darkness is so dark that they can't see it. It's unfortunate. And unfortunately for some of them, you know, you just literally have to, it's, for me, you can try and then if it doesn't work, I just have to move on. But seeing the divinity in everybody is the greatest thing you can do as a human. And when you see the divinity in others, you, you want to help. And that's what people see in you. And that's what people see in me too. I'm grateful for that. You ever get like those messages of like, um, like it doesn't make me feel good. Like where I'm like the ego, it's more of like, I look at myself as I was there and that feels good that I can help someone. Whereas I felt like I was lost. Like when people message me or comment and say, thank you so much for this. I'm sitting in the hospital right now and I'm so confused. Sorry. Sorry about this. this is and it feels so good that someone's there to listen because I was so alone. Sorry. Nothing to be I sorry just remember about. Remember that being in the hospital and like I was always on the phone because I felt so alone being there by myself. And just that doctor was the person that the guy that diagnosed me was very cold. Like it was no big deal. I've told you this before. He walked into my room and he was just like. Well, I'm 99.9% sure you have MS. And he had his briefcase on him. Like I was the last patient of the day. And every other test, he was like, spinal tap. I'm like, can you please? It was like six, five o'clock in the morning or 5.30 in the morning or six. And he was like, all right, we're going to do the spinal tap. I'm like, can you please just wait for my family? I'm really scared. I'm by myself. And he was like, no, it's neither now or another. Now or never. And I'm like, what? Like, you wouldn't let me wait for anybody for anything. And then when it came to telling me he thinks I have MS, it's like he waited till like 11 o'clock. I'll never forget with the, brief, with the briefcase on his shoulder. Like he was ready to walk out the door. Like it almost felt like a coward. Like you, you had to wait for me to be your last patient because you didn't want to deal with it. That's what it felt like. And he looked at me and, and I said, okay, is the buzzing in my feet ever going to go away? And he's like, the buzzing will, but the numb, the buzzing will go away, but the numbness never will. I'll see you on Monday. I'm like, what? And that was like a really, really tough thing to hear. Yeah. And I proved that doctor wrong because I'm fine. 
thank God I didn't stick with him as my doctor because it seems like he didn't believe in me getting better. Well, you and I've had, you know, similar experiences with doctor specialists to be honest with because I see ophthalmologists for my glaucoma and I have members sitting in my chair at the doctor's office almost crying because he was so I don't know. I just the you know, bedside manner has gone by the wayside in a lot of medical yeah. practices. And I messaged my former ophthalmologist in LA, send her an email, and within an hour I had five different screenshotted something because she had a group of ophthalmologists in tech in their in the United States that she kept in contact with, private group and also, I had five different ophthalmologists within my area that I could go instead of this one person. And I found one that is just incredible. Their office staff is incredible. They're speedy. They don't mess around. Like, I'm never waiting an hour and a half just to get in to see somebody, wow. even when I have an appointment. And it's not the herd mentality. It's the patient mentality. And I'm willing to drive 45 minutes every four months just to go see them because I feel good about myself somebody. afterwards. The new doctor Sorry? I want to see is an hour. It's three hours and twenty minutes away, and I'm like, my dad's like, "Are you sure you want to drive to that?" I'm like, "It's worth it. I don't want to deal with this crap anymore. I want a doctor that listens, that's empathetic, that you feel like you're speaking to a human, not a robot. Right. I want someone that has time for me, that cares, not yeah, someone that's like rushing me off and just you. taking it because of the money." Right, and. Again, that goes back to what we talk about, because if you walk in and you're in an area of positive energy, like I do with my ophthalmologist, you're going to, you're, the healing process starts there. It, yes, the Okavis helps, and we know that, and it's very blatantly obvious that it helps. But being able to go see somebody that's empathetic towards your cause of what you're going through and talks to you like a human, like mm -hmm. One of my biggest pet peeves with doctors is like, all right, are you going to treat me like somebody that's in your family that's calling you because they've got whatever? Uh -huh. No. No. A lot, of, no. Like a lot of them, especially neurologists, I feel are like that. Very cold. Very, I don't know if that's the way they were taught or that's the way they are, but I don't want that. I want someone that treats me like a human, that treats me like I'm their sister or a mother yeah, going into this. A hundred percent. And that's the way my, my doctor, he's typically, I don't, I get along better with females than I do males. Just, and that's a whole different podcast, but, and this is a male doctor and he's got that empathy and he really talks to me like I'm, you know, a brother or brother-in-law. He really yeah. does. And he's great and he's positive and he's uplifting. So like so i'm i'm sold i'm i drove a crappy car over there for my last appointment i'm sorry I'm kelly amazing. i can't hear you too good you sound a little muffled again i do yeah all right how's that i don't hear a difference <laughs> i'm sorry i just want to make sure they can hear you on the podcast i didn't mean to yeah. interrupt um well we could probably wrap this up if i'm starting to sound muffled anyway um, maybe the battery on my uh, maybe they, my headphones be charging or whatever. But, okay. And, well, I had a great conversation with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, you have a, a you've got a wonderful story, and B, you're you're my friend, and I care about you. And I, it's just, 
a cheap way for me to catch up and a way also to help others hear your story and be a little bit uplifted by it because yeah, we all have our bad days, but I think you're incredibly strong. And I don't think you give yourself enough credit for that too, by the way. So Thank you so much, start Kelly. Start building some of those credits. What's that? Start building some of those credits for yourself of how strong you yes. are. Yes. Yeah. Just like how we talked about, we got to do that for ourselves. Yep. Yes, we do. So uh, anything else to add before we sign off? No, just if you have MS, just be patient with yourself, love yourself, and understand there's others that are going through it. Uh you know, reach TikTok's a great platform. I suggest that more than Facebook because Facebook can be very negative. Face TikTok just has like something about it. People that have MS like laugh at themselves and make not make light of it, but you know, like make it feel more human. Um, and uh, like I said, MS is a snowflake illness, so don't compare yourself to others. And like I get like the biggest thing is realize that there's platforms out there or, or MS groups where people will welcome you with open arms. So you're not alone. Just remember that <laughs> there's me and Kelly. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate you being on my podcast today. It's wonderful to see you again. Good to see you and as well. Sure Kelly. We'll see each other on TikTok, of course. Okay, Kelly, you take care. All right. All right. Let's see. How do we hang this?